Hey friends, thank you for joining us today. So excited to have all of our disciple makers again with us and a very special broadcast as we drop our last broadcast of December, last one of 2020 and what a year it's been. But let me tell you, this is not one of those things where we are limping into the holiday season. This is one of the strongest broadcasts that we have developed and we're super excited to share with you five shifts that most churches need to make to become healthy, to become a world impacting disciple makers. Now, uh, very important that we share with you really just what we do. You know, as disciple makers, as your discipleship consultant team, we exist to serve you, the local church, particularly here in Georgia. That's what we do. We know we have a lot of folks all over the country, all over the world that are watching today, and thank you for doing that. So I want to make sure that you know that these broadcasts that we do, these gentlemen that are on this broadcast, we're here because your church is giving to the cooperative program. Huge, the um, gospel impact that's happening all over the world simply because the churches of the Southern Baptist Convention give to the cooperative program, and then it funnels into all of those approved resource categories. So thank you for doing that. Now, um, as we always do, we give stuff away, and we want to give some free swag, as we call it. So make sure that you drop your name and where you're watching from uh, in the comments below. And, uh, and if you want to go ahead and download the document that we're going to be talking about today, it is www.com ministryboom.com forward slash five shifts. And that's the number five. So it's www.ministryboom.com forward slash five shifts. We will put that into the comments as well. So you can just click on it. So what I'll do is uh, you'll click on that. You'll put your email in there and that'll help us be able to connect with you and you're opting into our tribe. We want to be able to communicate well. All right. So let's talk about um, the five shifts. This is really coming out of uh, guys on, on the broadcast here. These are our discipleship consultants. This is really coming out of a collective um, wisdom of what we've been seeing among churches. You, you guys are in there. You're contacting churches. You're with these leaders every single week. And there's a phrase in the blog that says this, that tiny hinges swing big doors. Man, and, and that couldn't be any more true when we talk about the five shifts that we're doing here, because a lot of people are just existing and we've got to do better than that, particularly right now in a pandemic coming out of the pandemic, we hope and pray in 2021. Um, just a, a lot of grace, a lot of opportunity to do some things differently, maybe that we've always wanted to do. So let's jump into the first one here, Dr. PJ Dunn. Matthew Gibbs, PJ is our Southwest consultant for discipleship. Matthew is East Central, and uh, Matthew actually is part-time with us and serving on staff at uh, Second Baptist Warner Robins. So thank you guys. Let me pose a question here. The first shift we talk about is moving from program to pathway. And, and you guys know this, we've been talking about this for, for over a year, that most churches are programmed to death. Well, many of those churches offer this, what we call a buffet of programs. Now, a programmatic approach to disciple making may just be the single biggest element keeping churches from experiencing biblical maturity and multiplication. Can you guys help us understand this a little bit more? Hey, Scott, thanks so much for allowing us to be here today, and, and thank you guys for watching the, uh, the broadcast today. And PJ and I have both experiences, and I know the other guys have as well with the churches we're working with in our in our association. A lot of them were asking questions 
like this. Well, we've been doing this or we are doing these programs, but as, as, a, as a whole, we're not seeing the movement among our people towards spiritual maturity that we want to see. Um, we've also experienced that here in, in the church that I serve in here at Second Baptist. And a number of years ago, we started asking those same questions. And I'm working with a couple of churches in our region right now that's asking those hard questions. What, and, and, and what are we trying to do to people? What are we trying to see happen in our congregation and our people? And how are we intentionally moving them along a pathway? And the reality is, is a lot of churches just don't have that pathway. We've got lots of programs, but we don't have an intentional pathway of discipleship. Here at uh, Second, about five or six years ago, we began to ask those hard questions, and we've actually developed an intentional pathway. And, uh, and I am working with several churches. I know PJ and uh, some of these other guys are as well. And, uh, and let me just say this, as one of your discipleship consultants, if you're asking those hard questions or you want to ask those hard questions, we would be glad to sit down with you and have a conversation about how you can begin the process of developing that intentional pathway. One of the things that does is that allows you to ask the hard questions. Well, we're doing all these things, but what do we really need to do? And, and what are the programs that are, are vital to this pathway that we want to develop? And what have we just been doing because we've always done it? Hey, PG, I'm going to let you uh, share a little bit as well. Yeah. And I mean, it's so great that this is the, the first one. So when you download this and you get to read, it's the first one. And I think that's fitting because it has so much to do with our mindset, Matthew. You know, your, your church, your leadership, they engaged in this process of a pathway because they changed their mindset that yes. programs weren't going to get them there. And being open to all of that makes this entire article even possible. And so what I've been working with pastors and seeing in the field is that you really start there. You really start with what is your end goal? What is your mindset when it comes to church? Well, it's to have these programs. Okay. Are those programs meeting the outcome we want and having those conversations? And like you pointed out, you know, we get the, the opportunity to do that as discipleship consultants, but um, we're also practitioners. You know, we're in the field doing that. We walk alongside churches. You're in a church and we get to do that. So Scott, I think I think it's it's great that that's number one, and uh, you probably put it there for a reason, didn't you? I did. We try to be intentional about most of what we do. We're not that smart, so we got to be intentional uh, about what we do around here. And really, friends, listen, if you're viewing today, you may be giving your church members dozens of opportunities to serve, to grow, to un understand the church, to hear the gospel, to be in you know 15 different Bible studies. But the question is, are you effectively guiding them strategically towards spiritual maturity? And I'm just telling you, that's what we're seeing with uh, these consultants right here in just hundreds of churches in 2020 is that most people aren't doing that. Let's turn to the shift uh, number two with Mike and Tim. Mike is our West Central consultant and Tim is Northwest at least for a little bit further now, right, Tim? Tim is going to be retiring on us, and uh, I'll talk more about that towards the end. But this second shift, guys, is from moral development to spiritual maturity. Okay, We talked about that a little bit, the intentional pathway, but now we're talking about, because so many people, and here's what I did. I, I grew up in, in my first, I'd say, 10 to 12 years in ministry, I was trying to change people's behavior. It was it was moral development. It was behavior modification is what I was shooting for. 
So guys, talk to us about this, about how, how we can do better, some thoughts that you have in this area of this second huge shift from moral development to spiritual maturity. You know, Scott, I was thinking when you, when you said that, I was thinking about um, the fact that we, we tend to think about moral, de- moral development. We used to think about it as, okay, how often do they attend church? Do they attend Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Are they doing all the checking all the boxes to do church well? And I think we've trained many people in our churches. As long as I'm checking the boxes, that I'm a spiritually mature individual. And that's not necessarily the case. I'm reminded of a Sunday school teacher in a church I served at many years ago. And um, I didn't see her at church very often. And that concerned me as a Christian educator. I didn't see her on Sunday night. I didn't see her on Wednesday night. She skipped church on Sunday morning sometimes. And I didn't realize until later that she had a prison ministry she told no one about. And she was at the prison leading women to Christ and discipling ladies and doing those things. She was seeing, she had a spiritual transformation in her life life, and she was serving the Lord. But I was deceived by the fact that I was just looking for her to check the boxes that I expected. And I think we've got to really change the expectations uh, um, of what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ, and to be a follower of Christ, not just checking all the church boxes that we have. Wouldn't you think that'd be the case, Tim? Yeah, uh, Mike, when I, when I think about this discussion that we have on, on behavior modification and spiritual transformation, I think about the, the, the failures, uh, shortcomings as a parent, you know, you got the kids and you're, you're, you're trying to do the job as a parent and you say, you need to do or don't do. And they ask that wonderful question that kids ask, why? Well, because I said so. Uh, I think we've done that a lot in church. You know, uh, we, we, we've got our list of, of thou shall nots and, and thou shalts. And, and, and we give the list of here's the things that you're supposed to do. But we, we never teach or train or help people understand how to get there. And I found as a parent, the best thing I could do was not just tell my kids what to do, but to help them develop the process of making the decision, a moral decision, a, 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 a Christian decision based on who God is and, and what his word uh, teaches. And so, I mean, I've got a list of things that, you know, that, that we're supposed to be and do, um, but, but just sharing that list is not good enough. We've got to help our people with the spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible study and fellowship and, and confession and, and uh, being in a group of worship, of service, of, you know, just those basic spiritual disciplines that help people know the foundations of, of maturing. And so just giving the list to people is not good enough. They've got to do the dirty work of why and understanding what God says and what the word says about how we are to live. And so just giving a list of do's and don'ts is going to lead to what we've seen in so many people's lives that they just turn away from church. And and we need to help them learn how to feed themselves and grow for themselves. And for me, that's the difference between uh, behavior modification and spiritual transformation. One group is just doing a list and the others are struggling and doing the, the hard work of growing spiritually. 
Dr. Tim Smith has spoken. Let it be, my <laughs> friends. Love you, buddy. Just messing. Hey, third shift that we want to deal with today is um, the shift from attendance to engagement. Now, Ray, I'm going to bring you in here to talk about this because many of our churches are celebrating you know, unusually large worship service gatherings at Christmas or Easter, or they're, they're looking at the likes, you know, uh, most of our churches have figured out a way to get online at this point in their, the life of their church. And they look and they may have had 50 people and they had 600, you know, views on their online services. Man, we've become a mega church, right? Well, you know, my question really is, is that the win? Is that large gathering or all of those social media likes, is that the wind that we need to hang our hat on? Help us understand the shift from attendance to engagement. So the first thing I would say, Scott, is uh, to Tim, you know, I was thinking when you said that a minute ago, uh, I was watching The Mandalorian the other night, and I just keep thinking, every time I think of Tim, this is the way. You know, that's whatever Tim says, this is the way. You need to end everything with that, Tim. We'll get it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, listen, we, we don't. I think most of us would probably agree that the win is not just getting them in the door. Um, but at the same time, listen, things have been rough lately. Things have been hard. And so many pastors have had to go to online that never did it before. I mean, they're, they're trying there. So, so yeah, we do celebrate that. We do celebrate that people are watching. We do celebrate that people are coming. And some people have said, you know, we've had some new people come. Uh, during during COVID and and we're having some people watch. Uh, you know, I was hearing about a church the other day that had somebody. We were talking about it on our on our Lifeway post. That had somebody watching online, and they came all the way from Germany to come visit the church to get baptized at the church because they had been watching online. So, you know, let let's don't let's don't negate that that what we've been doing we need to celebrate. And guys, you know, we appreciate what you're doing, but the bottom line is what's a win. And the win is not getting them in the door. That's the beginning. We want to celebrate that. But the win comes directly from Matthew 28. And, and I love that, Scott, this, this, this article, this shift in the middle from attendance to engagement really is the anchor point. Are they just coming? Are they spectators? Or are we engaging them in a process to make disciple makers who will then reproduce and make disciple makers? And, and the key here is, do we have an identifiable pathway? Going back to what Matthew and PJ were talking about at the beginning. If, if we don't have a pathway and we're just hoping that we can get them in the door, we're hoping that enough of what we're doing and enough of the programs we're doing is sticking, that maybe somewhere down the line, some of these people may become disciple makers. We, we are fooling ourselves. It hasn't worked. It will not work. And it's going to get worse. So shift from, from just counting attendance and celebrating attendance to begin to say, you know, we're going to celebrate that they're here, but we're going to make sure that we have an identifiable, that's the key, identifiable. Pastor, you may know what it is, but if nobody else in your church knows what it is, if your leaders don't know what it is, if your deacons don't know, they're going to bump heads. If your teachers don't know, they're not going to teach towards that strategy. So it has to be identifiable. And so that, that's one of the reasons we're here to come alongside you and help you with that. You know, I was working with a church the other day where I'm meeting with them again tomorrow. And then their, their strategy is they're, they're looking at moving people in the process from familiars to friends, to family, to followers. You know, so, so what does that look like in the church? From those who are familiar with the church, people we minister to in the community, those who are friends who have come and visited the church, 
those who are family who have joined the church and now connected, but we want to take them to be followers of Christ who then in turn will reproduce. So, hey, let's celebrate the, the small wins. Let's celebrate that people are coming. Let's celebrate that people are watching online. You know, we, we have numbers in the New Testament church. How do we know how many people uh, were at the feeding of the 5,000? Because there was a first century deacon standing in the back with one of those little clickers, you know, counting people. So it's, it's great, but the win is disciple makers who make disciple makers. Let's don't take our eyes off that ball. I love it. Pure pastoral wisdom from Ray Sullivan, Southeast Georgia consult, discipleship consultant. Now let's move to the fourth shift, Dallas White. So when we talk about um, all, all these first three, it brings us to this point because mobilizing people, not just getting people to fill a role, not just getting people to, to fill a seat. We talked about the intentional pathway, but part of the intentional pathway involves plugging people in and, and I asked you to do this part, Dallas, because I love what I see at the Grove Church in Aquar. So share with us a little bit. This shift is from recruiting volunteers to empowering ministers. Yeah, I love what PJ, our, our, uh, our partner on this team, said in the blog. He, he talked about the online venue, and we've created this new venue. And really what we have to do as leaders in the church is we have to constantly be looking at the things that we're doing and seeing them not just as opportunities for us to do more, but as ways for us to empower people. And of course, he talks about how the online venue is a way to do that. Uh, that's just one of many ways, though, here at the Grove. One thing I realized several months back was uh, on a typical Sunday, you know, I'm up on the platform communicating about uh, our welcome to guests, potentially. I'm talking about our prayer time. I'm talking about our giving. Uh, a lot of times I'm giving announcements, and of course, I'm typically sharing a sermon. So you've got all these things that I had been doing from the platform, and I realized over the course of a month, you know, that's, that's 24, 30 times that I'm speaking on the platform. And I thought, you know, really, I, I don't need to be doing all of those things. Of course, there are occasions where I might want to share more around the giving, particularly like around Lottie Moon and, and Christmas or around Easter. Uh, maybe we're doing a, a campaign. There may be times I want to do the guest welcome, right? But by and large, those are opportunities for me to empower others in our family of faith to use the giftings that God has given them. And so, of course, it takes some intentionality kind of on the front end, because as pastors, oftentimes we're so used to, to carrying that load and doing all of those things. And quite frankly, we've gotten fairly good at it. Right. And so the temptation early on is to think, well, man, I've been doing this for however long. So and so is not going to be able to do it. And and I would say to a pastor, that's OK. Uh, if somebody can do something, you know, 80 percent as good as you can, 75 percent as good as you can to begin with. Uh, man, it's okay for the for the for the expectation to dip just a little bit because in empowering that person, you're actually giving them an opportunity to grow in their gifting, but you're also taking one more thing off of you so you can be more focused on what God's called you to share in your service, for instance, uh, as it relates to that example. So that was one example for us. And Scott, there was a survey done years ago uh, that said for for every one leader in your church. You, you have a capacity to uh, attract and to, to keep about 10 people. And so the reality is, if we are not empowering leaders, what we're really becoming is a lid on our church's growth. I love it, friend. And the reality is the majority of our pastors are not going to be in their current church 
more than three to five years from right now. And if that's true, we can't build systems that are dependent on me to get everything done, grow the body, give them an opportunity to serve. And man, I'm just going to tell you, being in some churches that have been like that, the groundswell of like what I see at the Grove Church, man, of support, of buy-in, of storm hell with a water pistol. And you just, um, you just can't get away from that. Just a beautiful thing. Thanks for sharing that fourth shift with us. Now, uh, friends, if you didn't get it earlier in our broadcast, let me just show you the um, the document we're talking about, this blog, if you'll go to www.ministryboom.com forward slash the number five shifts, S-H-I-F-T-S. If you'll um, put that in, we're going to drop the link again, but we want you to download that document. You'll have to put your email in there. We'll get that information. You'll, we'll send you that uh, entire document to you. Now, let me share with you, close this out with the fifth shift. This is just really important. And many of you, when I say this, you're, you're going to say, man, I've never even heard of that before. And it, I, I tell people often, this is probably the most important discussion that most churches are not having, but they need to consider. Okay. I've done this in Ringgold, Louisiana, that averaged 75 people and it helped me zero in. And man, we saw um, numbers swell. Praise the Lord for that but we just saw things really work, okay? Did it in Winfield, Louisiana, a church that averaged 350. I saw it in Halton, where the church that started out averaging 250, and when I left there last September was averaging about 1,000. And here's, here's what this means. Um, it's obvious greater value, and here's the shift from value to obvious greater value, okay? Because we would like to all think that our church is valuable in our community. If they see us, our steeple in the community We'd like to think that we're valuable. What I want to ask you to do is think about what is the obvious greater value? What is your OGV? And um, so here's a question that, that kind of brings this home, maybe help you think about it. Why would a family drive past three other churches to get to yours? What do you do? What, what do you offer? What is, what is important to you? What is your goal? What is your vision? that would cause a family like mine, my wife and my two boys, and, and if my other two other older kids were home, four, why would we drive past other decent to good churches to come to yours? Now, um, obvious greater value in the business world is the advantage that a person or a group has by strategically identifying why I would engage with your business, possibly spend more money and more energy to do so when there's uh, many other companies who can do it, right? Why would they get your loyalty? So as a leader, you got to take time. You got to understand this. You got to communicate this. You got to wrap your mind around that fact. What would cause people to spend more money, to drive further, to give more energy, to come to your church when they can do something right around the corner that's decently the same? Now, a couple of uh, questions. There's a book called The Bottom of the Pool, and this is where I first saw this, Andy Andrews, who's probably my, my favorite author. That's a weird, I don't even know if I have a favorite author, but today my favorite author is Andy Andrews. He's a Christian, doesn't necessarily write Christian, but he said this, have you ever paid more for something than you had to? Have you ever purchased and in doing so driven farther or gone through more trouble than was necessary? And he tells a story about a pharmacy, you know, this guy, um, lives like 15 miles away from the pharmacy, but when he goes to get his 
pharmacy, his meds, he always goes to this one pharmacist and drives all of that way. And somebody asked him one day, why would you do that? And he said, because in the most devastating, difficult time of my life, he came up here after hours, loved on me, gave me what we needed for my wife who was dying of cancer. I'll drive to the end of the earth to be a part of that guy because he built in value into my life, into my family. Now, listen, as a leader in a local church, we're not giving meds. We're not giving just great advice. We're giving people the gospel of Jesus Christ, life-saving, soul-saving, and life-altering. And so what you've got to be able to do, leader, is think about that. Why would people drive past other places to come to yours? If you can't answer that, then you've got some rich discussions that you need to have with your lay leaders or pay leaders if you're blessed to have those. All right. Now, listen, that document we're talking about, you can get more information there. I want you to read the whole thing. You're going to, I want you to write notes. I want you to pin them. I want you to highlight it, put it in your car, put it on your wall, because there are some nuggets there that will help you as we close out in my lifetime, the craziest year that I've ever seen, 2020, but look forward to what I believe is going to be the most beautiful because as crazy as it's been, as most difficult as it's been, we've been planting seeds of gospel impact on every corner in people's lives, in families, and not we're not able to do a whole lot right now, but I'm just telling you, winter is here, but spring is coming. There's going to be that moment when we are able to do things and we are more free to love people. And, and I just want you to know, keep planting those seeds. 2021 can be a beautiful year in your church, all right? www.ministryboom.com forward slash number five shifts. We'll put that again in the comments. And friends, I'm going to close out this way because Dr. Tim Smith is our Northwest consultant in discipleship here at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And Tim has taken an early retirement and is leaving our team to go do some more incredible things. He didn't really even know exactly what that's going to be yet, but I'm enjoying what I call the Tim Smith sweepstakes. Whoever lands this cat is getting an absolute hero. So Tim, listen, I just want to say publicly to those who are watching, we love you, friend. We believe in you. We're grateful for, like personally for me in this transition of my life, the last 15 months, you've been pivotal in that. So thank you what you've done serving Georgia Baptist for over 21 years. Um, it's just unlike anything that I've ever seen at any state convention. So uh, what I'd like to do, friends, if you're watching or viewing, leave a comment. Just tell Tim what he's meant to you. And if you've got a picture, especially if it is an awkward picture, if it's a terrible picture of oh. Tim, if it is a uh, which is one of those embarrassing moments of Tim. We'd love to see that. So put that There's in the comments. There's plenty of those out there. Plenty of them out there. All right, <laughs> Tim. Hey, let me just give you a second here. Just say a, a, a welcome, a goodbye, uh, a hey, what's up. Just want to give you an opportunity to close it out. Uh, thank you, Scott. And I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, my nearly 22 years of serving Georgia Baptist churches. And uh, it has been the, the highlight of my ministry. Uh, back when I started uh, doing Sunday school training events for Georgia Baptist back in uh, 1982, I fell in love with um, this idea of training leaders in multiple churches and helping churches and helping pastors and uh, dreamed of one day being able to 
to do this. And for 20, nearly 22 years, I've, I've lived my dream and uh, it has, it has been great. And uh, I just look forward to whatever it is uh, that the Lord has next for me to do. Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And again, we love you. And on behalf of our team, thank you. And uh, we appreciate you. And we look forward to just great things God's going to continue to do. Viewers, thank you for joining us today. And as always, we pray that you will reinvest the gospel seed that was shared with you.